Welcome to episode 30 of the MUFC podcast. I think it's episode 30, not quite sure. A little bit different this week, that's probably why I forgot, because Larry and I are unable to meet at the pub, just the stars haven't aligned this week, so hopefully normal business is resumed next week, but I just thought we'd get something out on the podcast, just mainly just so I can vent my frustration at the Arsenal result, the one or draw this morning so hopefully I'll just get one or two things off my chest and give Ashley Young a right bashing. So I think just get straight into it in regards to the team selection. I think there was who was there? One Bissaka was the big omission. No one sort of really saw that coming. He obviously picked up an injury. And there was also the issues surrounding Pogba and Rashford. They were obviously doubts and both were proved fit. Um, whether that been mind games from Solskjaer, I'm not so sure. Um, but you can make the case that they both weren't really up to scratch, but I'll definitely get into both of their performances in a little bit. Um, to one Zabi, obviously playing on the left-hand side, not the right-hand side, was a shock, which I'll get into, What which I'll definitely cover when discuss Ashley Young. Um, McTominay playing with Pogba, in a, both sitting in front of the defence with Jesse Lingard at 10 and Pereira again playing 60 minutes on the right before Solskjaer realising that the right doesn't work for Pereira before taking him off or before moving him into the middle, whatever he deems fit on the day Um, Daniel James obviously, he's a natural position now or he's sort of natural position under Solskjaer um, on the left hand side with Marcus Rashford again um, playing through the middle was he fit was he not fit I think if the guy had one one leg missing Solskjaer would find a way to get him on the pitch um, he said he cannot catch a break and the trial get into Marcus Rashford in a little bit but um, it is crazy how he could literally be on the hospital bed and Solskjaer will find a way to get him in the team um, and again a lot of that's down to the lack of investment we don't really have the options there but um, you can see Rashford again pulling up in two or three weeks with another sort of muscle injury. But we'll get into all that. I think we'll just go maybe just the general performance to start off with. I made a huge mistake during the week trying to build myself up for the United Arsenal because it's still a massive game. But I made a huge mistake of watching the Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira documentary, the Best of Enemies documentary. Sort of watch that to sort of rekindle the United and Arsenal rivalry and it is just sad when you sit back and watch the game this morning and the, the commentators referred to it and I referred to it 10 minutes before it was like watching two mid-table sides scrap it out in a sort of yeah a mid-table mid-table battle one all draw was probably fair neither side did showed enough quality to get the win I think it was just a real. It was, I think, a decent actual match. I think it was, it was sort of fiercely contested, but uh, yeah, it was a team who's going to finish around seventh to tenth, um, slogging it out, and both teams not having the quality to win. And when you compare that back to the Keane and Vieira days, where okay, the Arsenal side you got Vieira, you got Dennis Burkamp, Thierry Henry, 
or United have Ryan Giggs, Wayne Rooney, Paul Scholes, etc., Ruud van Nistelrooy. The lack of quality these two sides have now is sad. And, and look, definitely not sad for Arsenal, but their fans will definitely be seeing it as sad, just as we see our current situation as sad. Um, it was depressing sitting and watching that match, thinking this used to be the biggest game of the season, and now it is literally... I don't even think it's a top-four battle now. I think these are teams that you look in our position, hopefully finish sixth, which is... Oh, God, that that is embarrassing to say, but it is a team... Two teams that will do well to finish in the top six now when you look at sort of how well Leicester City are doing. Um, and obviously that's no disrespect to Leicester because they've obviously won a premiership far more recent than um, both United and Arsenal. Um, I'll get into individual performances in a bit, but the only performance worse than Ashley Young was this referee. I, my first thing when I look for a referee is to make sure we don't have Michael Oliver or Mike Dean. But this referee, I think, is a Kevin Friend? Oh, I forget the referee. It might be Kevin Friend. He's now added to that list. He was woeful. And not, not just for United. I think I don't think any sort of team sort of gained an advantage from his refereeing. But both teams were just feel, rightly filthy with him. He was influenced by not only the Old Trafford crowd. He was influenced by the away fans. He was influenced by both sets of players. Solskjaer sort of had a look at him and the next decision was quickly given to United. He was influenced by every single thing. He overturned decisions. To be fair to him, he wasn't helped by his linesman who gave that Aubameyang goal offside. Now, I can't... I've seen one or two people blame VAR or have a go at VAR in regards to that. I don't think anyone sort of really stopped it. I don't I don't think it was affected too much. And he actually young sort of had his hand up, but I don't think he was in any position to sort of make a tackle on Aubameyang. I think everyone else was chasing with their head down. De Gea made an attempt to save and it was it wasn't a close call. It wasn't like he was a meter I think he was close to two or three meters on side. That that was a that was a very bad decision by the linesman. So look obviously I would have preferred it to be the incorrect decision and ruled offside. But you can't have any complaints. I think it's the right decision. Um, the VAR calls in regards to United's penalties. I think there was the one on Kalasinac, a handball. So, technically, sort of, it did hit his arm. I think he was moving it away. Obviously, screaming for a penalty, but you can't be too disappointed that it wasn't given. I don't really think it was a penalty. Um, before we, uh, yeah, before we get on to individual performance, just one thing again. Before I get on to Ashley, I'm going to need to get off my chest. This Gwendozi, I have to talk about Gwendozi. He's probably my most hated player now. I have no idea what, but it's this this fake passion. Does anyone else see through it? The way he's walking around when he wanted to kick the advertising boards boarding behind at the Stratford end. He was four or five metres away from it. He had to walk towards it, make an attempt to actually go over towards it and then start kicking it and waving his hands about. When he goes down, he's waving his hands, screaming at the ref. His goal celebrations, again, not in this game, but in other games, People are over celebrating in the corner with everyone, and he's over doing knee slides by himself and pumping fists and everything. And I am just sick of this kid. And again, that might be credit to him. That might be he's doing something right. But I don't know. I hope you're with me that Guendouzi is just—he sums up Arsenal to a T. I do not like the kid. So fair play to him. But I had to get that off my chest there. Now, in our individual performances, I thought McTominay 
I don't know if your toe is his best performance for United, but it is one that will stand out. After I do feel for him because after that goal, that is a goal that you sort of you'd happily watch on replay for the next couple of days. You'd sort of watch that ball going into the top corner against Arsenal, and you could easily watch that sort of on on replay. But after a loss like that, also sorry, not a loss, but but after a disappointing result, the 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 goal almost sort of gets forgotten about a little bit. So. I do feel for him there because it's his first Old Trafford goal and it was a goal worthy of winning any game. It was a fantastic strike. Um, but it, as I said, just gets forgotten about. But I think he was the best player on the pitch, not only for United but Arsenal. And I think there was a lot of combined 11s going on in him before the game and McTominay was nowhere near any of them. The only midfielder for us who got in, into these combined 11s was Paul Pogba. But I think now McTominay showed on his day he walks into the Arsenal midfield. And again, that might not be too much of a sort of tick in the box for McTominay, more of a sort of a sad sign of the times for Arsenal that McTominay walks in there. But you have to sort of take your hat off for him, or take your hat off to him and sort of praise his performance because I don't think we get that result without McTominay. Um, on to oh, Axel Tuanzebe. What to make of that? I thought he was very good. Obviously, we'll go on to the mistake first. The mistake for the goal... That happens, young player playing on the wrong side. That's going to happen. He had a flawless performance except for one mistake, punished. That happens. That happens to the best defenders we've ever had. I've seen Rio Ferdinand score kilometre sign goals. So I can't hold the mistake against Tuanzebe there. But I have. This interacts with Ashley Young, the Tuanzebe debate. I felt so sorry for him. He's a central defender. Can play on the right at a stretch, you'd think. He, he can play fullback, has played there before, but he's a de- de- definitely a central defender. To have to go over and play on the left to cover for the captain is so wrong on so many different levels. We'll get into the debate about Solskjaer, we'll get into the debate about Ashley Young, but I felt so sorry for him having to go over onto the left-hand side to mark the £72 million rated winger in Nicola Pepe to cover for our captain. So, uh, look, I don't think Twanzebe was man of the match, but he goes awfully close just for the job he was given under the circumstances. So I think Lindelof wasn't horrible, but I think Twanzebe, as we sort of alluded to last week, I think he moves ahead of Lindelof for me. I'd like to see him get a start in a Premier League game. I assume he'll start centrally in the next Europa League game. But I think in the next Premier League game, he might as well start next to Harry Maguire. And look, Lindelof wasn't terrible, Regisson Tuanzebe has been that good, or he's shown those qualities to be better than Lindelof. So, look, fair play to him. Hopefully we don't see him on the left again. Who knows? I think it might become a regular thing because he performed so well there. Um, but hopefully not. Another player who divided opinion was Andreas Pereira. I thought he played well. A lot of people said he was woeful. I thought he played well, but again, played well in the wrong position here. If he was doing that sort of job in the middle of the pitch, I think he would have seen a lot more. But he's doing all those things in the wrong side of the pitch. He's running into blind alleys. He's up, he's isolated or he's in the wrong channel, etc. when he receives the ball. He obviously went on that really good run where he went past a few players and sort of skipped past Louis, David Louis and got a shot away, which would have been a fantastic goal. Didn't go in. But he's got all the energy in the world, and that's fantastic. But again, it's in the wrong areas of the pitch, and I don't understand why Solskjaer continues to play him there real, knowing that it's going to go wrong he has to know that it's not working just to move him after 60 minutes whether that be move him inside into the 10 roll 
or ultimately like today to take him off the field. So he's got a lot of he's got a lot of stick prayer for the the performance against Arsenal, but I don't again I don't think it's really so much down to him. I think it's again on Solskjaer for playing him there. Um, I can't really fault his effort there, which at, at the end of the day is all we can really ask for. Um, so so I did feel for him, but you have to get him off the right hand side. Play him in the middle or don't play him. And and I wouldn't have any argument with not playing him because um, he, he might not be doing enough. But a lot of that does come down to the management for me. Now, speaking of management and players, Marcus Rashford, again, I feel for him because he's not a struggler. When that ball went through, he played, Paul Pogba played that ball through for him and went one-on-one with the goalkeeper. As soon as the ball went through, you just knew he was not getting a shot away, let alone scoring the goal. You just knew he was going to maybe try and cut it on with his right foot or he's going to try and dribble past the player to the line. You just knew there was no way he wanted to shoot. And that is... There's a sign of two things. A sign of lack of confidence, which some players will go through. So no issue with that. One day he'll be confident and he'll bang that in. But the other sign is that it is, it's not, he doesn't have that striking instinct. Okay, he, he, had, he had something else in his mind. You saw that one in the first half as well where... I think he pressed Socrates, he won the ball and he got to the byline and he had a quick pass into Daniel James pretty much with an open goal. But his first instinct was to try that Ronaldo chop. His first instinct wasn't that pass. It didn't have that killer instinct. It was always something else. It was something about looking good rather than the end product. And I think that is what's letting him down now. He obviously, I wouldn't say he's arrogant, but you can see he walks around with his chest puffed out now. He's almost a big man and he's pulling rank on penalties. He's pulling, I don't want to sound, make that sound a bad way, but he's obviously pulling rank on free kicks you saw at the end, um, which is fair, fair play to him. If the management wants him to be taking set pieces and he obviously can hit a set piece, fair play to him. But he, it is getting to this stage where you are feeling that, you know, he's not getting too big for his boots, but he's almost believing the hype. And... That hype isn't living up to much at the moment. He really lacks that killer instinct to be playing through the middle. I think a, a big insight into that was when Greenwood came on. Greenwood was moved into the middle. Rashford was moved on to the right because um, we needed a goal. So you needed someone with that ball was in and around that box. Who who are you going to trust in a sort of in a must finish situation? I think Solskjaer said, oh, "I prefer Greenwood here. I prefer the ball to fall to Greenwood." So um, I don't want to bash Rashford too much. But, and again, he might not have been fit. And again, it comes down to Solskjaer. If he's carrying a knock, why is he playing? If other players have a knock, Solskjaer will arrest them. They'll give them an extra week, give them an extra two weeks. You look at what's happened with Martial now, Luke Shaw, etc. But when Rashford has a knock, Rashford could have half a leg hanging off and Solskjaer will put him through through the middle at centre forward and make sure he plays 90 minutes. It just makes no sense. So again, maybe a lot of this criticism shouldn't be aimed at Marcus Rashford, to be fair to him. But it's very easy to. Now, someone who does deserve the criticism, Ashley Young. I, I do not know what to talk, talk about regarding this guy. As you've probably seen by the title of the podcast, he has to be, in my opinion, has to go down as the worst captain in United history. Now, because he's, he's not a captain now who's taken the armband after a late substitution. He's the club captain. Okay, De Gea was on the pitch. Pogba was on the pitch. Last captain, Tuan Zahibi, was on the pitch. Ashley Young was on the pitch. He's the captain. So, if, if anyone lived through darker times with United, feel free to let me know. I might have a hazy memory. But I cannot think of a captain 
who has such poor, well, what could I call it? In simple terms of decision-making, such poor decision-making. Everything he did, even the successful passes he made in this game, were the wrong decisions. If he was playing Harry Maguire inside, there was a pass to Paul Pogba or Andreas Pereira in front of him, which he wasn't taking. So it might have looked like the right thing to do, but there was something better on offer. If he was playing McTominay in the midfield, he would play him on his left foot, not his right foot. If he was playing Paul Pogba in midfield, he was playing into the pressure, into where a defender was. So Paul Pogba has to take a touch and yeah, he's under pressure and sometimes loses the ball. So we all look at Paul Pogba for losing the ball. We don't realise the poor pass that put him into the pressure. And that is not to talk about the things which just comes with Ashley Young where he kicks the ball into touch or the needless push in the back to give away a stupid foul. His actual tackling technique, which is a recipe for giving away fouls. Him standing with a throw-in with the ball over his head for 45 seconds, making sure the camera's um, seen there. Um, his floated crosses where that is, again, it's down to two things. A lack of confidence like Rashford, but also a lack of quality where he's reliant on just floating the ball in, being safe by just getting his laces behind the ball and lofting a ball up, which you're never going to score from a set piece or from a corner with a delivery like that. The one delivery where he backed himself, I think it was in the second half in the Stratford end, where he actually whipped a ball in from the left-hand side. It was a fantastic corner. It was one I think McTominay got his head to and headed over, which McTominay obviously should have scored. That was Straight after that, Ashley went back to floating the ball. And you just think, why is he floating the ball like this? A professional footballer should be able to take the risk of whipping a ball in with pace. The one time did it, we almost created a goal. And again, I don't want to bash him too much because, look, he's the captain of Man United and it's easy for me sitting here on the other side of the world critiquing a professional footballer. Like, at the end of the day, who am I to judge that? But I cannot think of a captain who has been so poor for so long for United he is such a disadvantage for United other teams must look at the team sheet and realise okay he's a weakness and as soon as you have a player like that in your team it's it's plus one to, to Arsenal straight away they know they have someone to get at the moment you have to move your captain and get a young player to co- to play out of position to protect your captain you have to realise that isn't the captain for you and forget captain forget the player Okay, here's an experience of, what is he, 33, 34? And Tuan Xavier, I'm guessing, is 20, 21. And you have to move the 20 or 21-year-old over to the left-hand side where he's never played before to cover for him. To say, hey, this is going to be a tough game. I want him to play because you're not good enough. But you keep that not good enough player on the pitch. So it's one of the worst performances I've seen from a player at United. And look, I don't say that lightly. A lot of people now use the term or disgraceful or disgusting, etc. I'm not going to say that because I know he does try hard. But there comes a time where I'll be out on that pitch and I'll give my, my all 100%. But I'll be nowhere near good enough. And Ashley Young is nowhere near good enough at the moment. He Well, at the moment, just anymore in general. I think he is a real detriment to the way United play. I think even this, as I said, even the things he was doing right, there were so many other better options, and so much of United's creativity and attacking play does stem and fall down from players like Ashley Young playing out from the back. The amount of times he kicks the ball forward and finds the yellow shirt is look. look given our current state, I actually quite find it sort of quite funny. It's almost it's got to that stage where you just realise, well, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So, 
again, Ashley Young, he'll start next week at left back with the captain's armband, um, which there's not much we can do about it. But I'm lost for words with Ashley Young. Fair play to him, but I'm sure we'll be having this debate with Larry at the pub in a week's time as he puts in another 3 out of 10 performance. Now, I will try and move on to a positive. We've got Facebook and Twitter comments. Go to Twitter first. Um, we just said, has anyone got any thoughts or anything regarding the Arsenal match? Um, Lockie, he can follow him at Lockie underscore seven on Twitter. Scott deserves more time starting to gain experience, but he just won't be starting. What do you think? Well, to be, to be fair, Lockie, I think McTominay, I think he started every game this season pretty much, or every main game he started. So I think he's almost one of the first names on the team sheet, and rightly so. But um, and he's almost like a case like Rashford. We do have to... So, so remember, he is young, so I think there's going to have to come times where McTominay drops out of the lineup, um, more just as a rest, and just uh, we still have to be quite patient with him. But I thought um, he, he's been selected, and rightly so at the moment. Um, David Balfour on Twitter, thoughts on the club briefing, we're after a centre forward in January. Yeah, so I think there's no doubt United are after a centre forward. But I think it's a little bit weird where they're coming out and, as if you want to use the term briefing, that we're after a centre forward. If you look at it, do we really need to be going out telling people with a big sign above our heads, we're Man United, we've got 100 million to spend, anyone got a striker for us? I think everyone knows we're desperate. I don't think we need to go advertising to the world that we're desperate for a striker, but I think the way our clubs run, you can't really be too surprised with that. Um, we got on Facebook Emma on Facebook said I tipped a one-all draw and if you had offered me that before the game I would have taken a point both teams had their chances to win but neither were good enough to take them when they came I think that so yeah what I sort of started started the podcast with it was just a sad indictment of where the two teams are now it was just a mid-table scrap where neither team had enough quality to win I think it was the draw was a fair result I think it was a closely fought game both teams um could make a case for for getting more out of the game, but I think both teams got exactly what they deserved. And when you don't, when you show that lack of quality, you don't deserve to win. Um, Chris Toulos on Facebook also said he wants to talk about why is Ollie not pressing anymore like he wasn't when he first came into the club before it went pear shaped. He did the same pressing in pre season and also against Chelsea. Why has the pressing game stopped? Why hasn't any of the journalists asked him what happened to the pressing game? And I think. Yeah, it's hard. It has changed, but I think a lot of that has made almost just down to the realization from Solskjaer that we're not as good as what we are. When you look at what we sort of probably are now, maybe a seventh, eighth, ninth best team in the league, teams like that, you cannot afford to be pressing because you're going to be played through. So that's why I think we play with sort of two holding midfielders in front of the back four, is because if we do press, we're going to be played through quite easily. And then you're going to be exposed. So I think it's almost a case of him almost sitting in and trying not to lose, which is the wrong thing to do as a Manchester United manager, but is almost a sad sort of state of the times that he has to do that now because we lack so much quality. We, we're we not going to go score two, three goals, okay, because we don't have the creativity to do that. So we need to keep the score down. So if we do create one chance a game, the one goal will be enough to, to win it. So... Again, that that's probably wrong on Solskjaer's part, but I sort of I can't really blame him too much given the current circumstances. 
Um, but it, it is very frustrating. I'll have to give you that. Um, on the three two one, which pretty much covered in individual, I say McTominay. I think no, no arguments. I think he's definitely a man of the match uh, for both teams. So McTominay will get three points. Two on Zabi, I would give two. Um, not only just for his performance, I think he's very good, but for the fact that he had to play out of position, had to play on the left-hand side to cover for the club captain. Um, you could almost make a case for him getting all three points in that scenario, but I'll give him two, and I'll give Daniel James the one point. I think De Gea, I thought De Gea had a very good game. Um, that double save in the first half was crucial, but I think Daniel James, just for the fact that he was trying. He, he was trying to make something happen again. I make the case. You must be bored of hearing it from me, but play him on the right. The one time he got in down the right, crossed it in. That's where the goal eventuated from. And obviously, it wasn't from a direct cross from James. But I think he's just so much. He's so so much more dangerous on that right hand side. So many times on the left, he'll dribble to the byline, and then you saw so many times he like kick the ball into himself off his left foot and fall over. He just doesn't have the quality on the left. If he wants to cut in, feel free. Do it all day. Bend it into the top corner like he was doing. But the moment he goes down the outside, you just lack that quality. Um, So I really want to see him on the right-hand side, but a lot of what I do want, Solskjaer seems to be doing the opposite. I think I got enough off my chest, especially regarding Ashley Young. Hopefully I didn't go too hard on him. Um, I know Larry definitely would have. Um, so hopefully you've made it to the end of this podcast. First time I think we've done it with just myself talking. I obviously do prefer chatting with someone over a beer at the pub. It makes it a little bit easier and someone to bounce off, etc. But hopefully me venting frustration has given you some type of enjoyment. And this podcast will see us go over 3,000 downloads for all the podcasts so far. So episode 30 and um, 3,000 downloads. So again, thank you for all the support um we'll be back this time next week obviously discussing who we have got a europa league game i think this weekend and then the premier league um and we'll also have a special episode out throughout the international break which me and larry are working on at the moment so again thank you for all the support and hopefully this podcast has given you something um to vent some frustration with um thanks for listening and see you next week cheers Oh, <laughs>